Hello. Yes, hi. It's really you. I know. Alrighty, Hello. guys. Welcome to a very special podcast of the Arizona Wine Monk. I'm your host, Cody Burkett. I'm here with my friend, long-time bestie. Okay, not long-time bestie, but good bestie. Uh, Emery Lovner Mooney. She is wearing, actually, the polo tie that I sent her. And today we are drinking the Galifant Cellars 2012 Malvasia Bianca. So this is an exception to my normal Arizona-only rule because this is New Mexico fruit. It's coming from the Members Valley AVA from St. Clair's Winery and uh, D.H. Lescombe uh, Vineyards, if I remember correctly. But Malvasia Bianca, as you well know, because I just reset it back into my uh, girlfriend on Facebook, for those of you who are friends with me both on Facebook and my Facebook page, um, I lost my train of thought. It's your lover. Yeah, it's my, it's my girlfriend. Which is a voice I will never use again. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the 2012 vintage. Um, It is a big year. I got married, so that's a good year. Oh yeah, that's the year I got back from Boston. Parts of 2012 were great. Other parts of it were pretty horrifying. Leaving Boston's good for you. For me, it definitely was. I liked it okay, but I'm biased. Well, you were also only there for, what, a week and a half? A weekend. (laughs) Yeah, you were there for a weekend, which is just enough time to enjoy Boston before it tries to murder you. And I got to go to Salem, which is awesome, and I want to go back again so bad. I never did get to Salem, and I also never did get to Plymouth Rock, and the one time that I was invited along... Uh, the gentleman who invited me invited too many people, and so I volunteered to stay behind, because I am a good guy. Aww. Well, maybe if you go back, it will create new memories for you. New never. Be- no. Never. Never! <laughs> you will never take Fair me alive, Boston. So, Fair you enough. cooked an awesome meal to go with this. I did. I am going I'm with a bag of dried cranberries. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really yeah, get time Yeah, you mentioned um, citrus notes and seafood, so I made caprese pasta with shrimp and spinach and creamsicle tartlets, orange creamsicle tartlets with fresh blueberries. Now I'm with uh, that is my pairing, based on your suggestion. Yes. So we're doing this over Skype, which is why I'm stuck with the dried cranberries and not mooching off of her awesome meal, um, for those of you who are wondering. Um, because I'm... Lois, St. Louis, not. but you're in the gateway region for some of the best wines in the Midwest, though, so. If you say so, well, I wouldn't know. The few that I've had from uh, Stonehill were pretty good. Uh, the Vidal Blanc, I remember, I thought I told you about the Vidal Blanc a while back. You did, yeah. But Which I now I need to go back to Herman and get some to try it. Yes, or find some at the local liquor store. So, or that. So anyway, I will be right back because I realize that I have my bottle of wine here, I have my cranberries here, I just uncorked it, but I do not have a glass because ah. I have the attention span of a fruitcake. No, wait, fruit bat, because fruitcakes last forever. <laughs> well, in case I'm being recorded, I really wish I could say something embarrassing about Cody. But A, I can't think of anything, and B, I don't really know any stories, so I'm going to eat while he's gone. There we go. So the winemaker... Do you want to hear a funny story, Cody? Um, I don't have a corkscrew opener. You don't have a corkscrew? No. So um, I had to go to my neighbor's. And I'm pretty sure my neighbor is like, what is she doing drinking in the middle of the afternoon on a Monday? So I'm sure my neighbor has this great impression of me now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, save her a glass. (laughs) Uh, He's writing a paper. He's a grad student. Uh, But I only because I didn't want to look like a fool and trying to open it because I'm not as experienced as you. But I have not, like, poured it or anything yet. So the big moment is 
to be momented. I don't know. Should I pour it now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. It smells really good. It smells really good. You know, Malvasia is known for having this intensely, intensely aromatic nose. Yeah, I would wear that as a perfume. I would... If I ever encountered a woman who had a perfume like Malvasia, I would probably, like, turn into her stalker or something. Oh my god, you would. <laughs> it's like, you smell like my great... Wait, hold on, I gotta do this <laughs> voice in the creepiest way possible. You smell like my favorite Oh girl. my gosh, stop! <laughs> Okay, um, so anyway, so the winemaker for this wine was Gavin. I don't Gavin. have any wine experience, by the okay. way. Well, like, so I, I think that should be noted. Okay. I just, I drink what I like, I guess. That's really... And I don't know much about that. Well, but I don't even drink that often, so I don't have a lot of experience. Well, the real thing about wine, and this is what I tell everybody, is that you should drink what you like. Don't drink what everyone tells you to drink, unless you're listening to me. <laughs> That's fair. But uh, I, I say that jokingly because, you know, there is a lot of problems in wine industry where you have these guys, the point system, um, which is why I purposely don't give a value score to my wines that I review. Um, oh, you don't? Because... Yeah, I guess I've no, never noticed that. Because this point system um, is based on the palates of, like, 15 people in the world, more or less, who are all sitting loftily on their ivory towers swirling their wines, bribed by people in California and France to keep those reasons alive. There's a reason why the minute that you hear about a wine from another state other than California, Oregon, Washington, or New York that gets a 90, you will never see another wine reviewed by Wine Spectator again. This has happened with Arizona. It's happened with Idaho. Um, really? Because I, I have no proof of this. This is my own conspiracy theory, but talking to people, it makes a lot of sense. These California wine people don't want anyone else to get in edge in on them edgewise. So they're like throwing money and promising to withdraw all their advertising revenue unless they promise never to review. Because other oh, Arizona yeah. wineries since Skolomsky got the 90 have tried to submit and they're like, we're not reviewing Arizona wines at this point and we don't know when we're ever doing it again. So it's like clearly there's something funny going on. Hmm. Bummer. So anyway... Well, I like it. It's not as dry as I thought it would be. You, you mentioned months ago that it's rather on the dry side. Yeah, I think this and does I have a little bit of residual sugar. Um, I don't know how much. I should... Do I have Gavin's number? I don't. That would be actually very entertaining if I did, because I could be like, hey, Gavin... You're on, you're on speakerphone on the podcast. Tell us about it. Yeah. Um, no pressure. This is why I need to get more winemakers' numbers. <laughs> anyway, Gavin <laughs> Galifant is the winemaker. This is coming from Galifant Cellars. It was made here in Camp Verde um, at Page Springs by Gavin. Mm-hmm. Um, his winery is actually one of the few urban wineries in Phoenix. It is also... Funnily enough, more or less in the old neck of the woods where I grew up. It's in Peoria, uh, off of uh, Loop 101, which is the freeway, and Olive Avenue. And the funny thing is, it's about three miles from where my grandmother used to live growing up. <laughs> so it's very entertaining, actually. It's like, Aww. oh, I used to visit here like when I was three or four or five. And this is Peoria, Arizona, right? Correct. This is not okay. Peoria, Illinois. That would be awkward. Yes, I'm reviewing a New Mexico wine from an Arizona vineyard that's in a tasting room in Illinois. Well, that would just be really funny because my husband grew up there, and if you guys knew each other, that would just be like one of those Twilight Zone things. <laughs> that would be, actually. <laughs> so, Although I, don't I always have to check. <laughs> I, I've had a couple of small world moments in the tasting room. Um, once where a woman I went to seminary with knew I was in Jerome, and shows up in the tasting room, and is just like, Fuckla, what are you doing here? <laughs> Small world moment number two, the wow. owner of the state bar in Flagstaff, um, also soon going to be in Cottonwood as well, um, 
he's a lawyer now, hence why he calls his bar the state bar. Um, he and I went to grade school together, and so when we first met for like the first three times, we were trying to figure out, why the hell do we look so familiar to each other? And then we finally parsed back histories, and it's just like, oh, that's why, we were in the gifted program together <laughs> back in the day. And then third small world moment, um, also ironically enough involves Brian. His girlfriend, Eva Rupert, grew up with another friend of mine from seminary. And so she posted a picture of all of us in the tasting room. And he was like, wait, what is Eva Rupert doing in the same room as Cody Burkett on Facebook? What the heck? <laughs> so that's a very small world. Was that the room with the giant Greek flag on the ceiling? Or that, wall? That was the seminary room, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seminary was... Maybe that's not a story for a podcast, but... <laughs> oh, I don't care. I told that story to my priest this morning. He actually randomly showed up <laughs> in Jerome. He's like, hey, I'm having breakfast. Come join me. <laughs> okay. So I got to tell him all about most of my fun in Istanbul. <laughs> <laughs> Some things cannot be shared. Uh, well, what happens in Istanbul? Well, stays in Istanbul. <laughs> Right. Until I can convince my friend to come and visit me, anyway. Yeah, well, I, sounds pretty friendly, so maybe everybody... And I mean, who wouldn't want to visit the wine monk? Exactly. Even I'm going to come to visit someday. That's right, you guys are coming in January. We'll have to do a reprise cod podcast with something different. That would be very entertaining, um, especially since Tom, like, never drinks any alcohol ever. So but when we go to Herman, Missouri, he did. we did, like, one of those wine tasting things where they try to get you to buy a bunch of different wine, you know, and of course he doesn't fall for that, but he was a good sport, and he did try some, and I think he would with you, because you actually know what you're talking about. Not that they didn't, they did, but here because I know... Because I'm not trying to sell him something specifically. <laughs> yeah, I know for a fact you do, because I know you. <laughs> that would yeah. actually, also this can be like, let's see if we can get Emily's husband drunk night. Oh, that'll never happen. Aww. And I never want it to. I love that he's been sober every day of his life. Good. He's never lost control, so. I appreciate that. But he is at work, otherwise he would say hi. Alas. Yeah, I mean, it is Monday, you know. Yeah. I guess people so, work during the day. This is why, you know, weekends in Jerome are very interesting. The reason why my weekend is usually... Monday, Tuesday, is because these are the slowest days for the tasting room. Um, these are the slowest days in town, generally. So, by and large, I am just off, because well, there's... And as a professional knitter, that's when a lot of yarn shops are closed. Really? Sorry, grinding salt and pepper. Why are why are most of the knitting places closed then? I think the same reason where most of your business is done on a weekend, um, and so therefore Mondays are just kind of slow because everybody's back to reality and have lost the ways of the wonders of the yarn world. Sadly, I don't know. That sounds like a good yarn to me. Ah, da 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 da. <laughs> but oh, Tuesday is our slowest day, so. Wearing your polo tie that I got you. I am. I love it. This I'm, is one your dad made, right? Yep. And weirdly enough, I am actually not wearing one right now. I feel now entirely naked, despite being fully clothed otherwise. I'm glad you're not entirely naked. That would just be awkward. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> since this is over Skype, yeah. Should, <laughs> I know that the popularity of the Skype business meeting is wonderful because the idea being that you never have to wear pants, but... You don't have to wear pants! Yeah, I am, though, for well, the so record. so am I, but... Okay, I, I mean, we could be lying to each other right now, though. Well, I can prove it. Oh, God, no! I don't need to see your crotch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did try to match my outfit to the bolo tie. Oh, the nice. one you gave me has really gorgeous amethyst and turquoise, which you know I love. And there is, like, a sand color and, like, a lilac lavender in my shirt. And I wore turquoise earrings. Awesome. So, I'm very coordinated today. Very excited about my first book. Well, I did have a bolo tie when I was a kid. And it was one of those resin encased with 
something, like a bug or a flower in case, where it looks like uh, amber. Oh. But it looks like amber. And I don't know what happened to that thing, but I did, once upon a time, have a bolo tie. So this is actually my second in my life. Now I really want a bolo tie with amber that has a fossil in it. You should! I can't believe you don't. Well, part of the problem is because my dad and I, all the rocks and stuff in the bolo ties that he makes are stuff that him and I picked up when I was much younger when we were rock hounding or camping. Mm -hmm. There aren't any, as far as I am aware, places to find amber in Arizona. Uh, Oh, really? Weirdly enough, you can find it in New Jersey and Alberta, but not Arizona. As far as I'm aware, actually, let me consult the book of Google. I mean, I've been to Arizona once when I was like five or six, so it's been a while. You're going to love it here. Yeah. I hope. If not, then... My Aunt Mimi lived there, and then my mom, when I was asking her about Aunt Mimi's address so I could send her a postcard, she's like, oh, Aunt Mimi died like two years ago, and I didn't even know it. So I guess she's just buried out there somewhere, and that's really sad. Oh, well. So maybe I'll visit my Aunt Mimi's grave when I visit you. We obviously weren't close, but... That's the only reason I've been to Arizona, was to visit family, and that was the first family vacation we went on when I was a kid. Good story. There's a Tucson gem and mineral show, so I could probably get Amber there. Oh. Hold on. Hold the phone, which I'm doing. Apparently, uh, there is some amber in the Chinle Formation near the Petrified Forest, which actually makes a lot of sense. What kind of fossil would you want in your bolo tie? Um... very good question, actually. I think it'd be cool to have a fossil feather in amber. Oh! A dinosaur or bird. Yeah. I support that. I actually don't think I knew feathers could be fossilized, but now that it... It makes sense now that I think about it. Well, the very first fossil found of Archaeopteryx actually was a feather in the Solmhofen limestone. Um, But that's a very special case, because feathers aren't always preserved. Unless it's in amber or in a very, very fine-grained, lithographic, almost limestone or mudstone. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. So, we should probably actually talk about the wine, too. I was just wondering if this was, yeah, normal for a wine podcast. Because I've listened to a few of yours. Pretty much they ramble on (laughs) about every single thing. I mean, the one that I'm going to be posting today um, is part two of the podcast I did with my friend Victoria, mm. which is like literally like, okay, this is the wine that we're drinking, and then we go and continue on our rambling about different fandoms if they were wine. Oh, is she the one with the uh, Optimus Prime versus Harry Potter? No. Oh. That actually came from um, Katie asking me that question because we were talking about nerd cred. You just have so many women in your life, Cody. I can't keep them all straight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm able to because most of them I'm just friends with, so... Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So I'm able to sidetrack those. It's like, these are all my friends, these are the girls that I think are cute and that I'm talking to, and that they haven't established themselves or thrown me into the friend zone yet. (laughs) Oh, Hey, I like the friend zone. I don't know what other guys are bitching and moaning about, but it's comfortable. Well, that's because you prefer cuddling. This is true. And a lot of cuddling happens in the friend zone. Sorry, Cammy. Love you, Cammy. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, there were a lot of good discussions on that. Um, The Optimus Prime versus Harry Potter. I know. I loved it. People got really into it. Which is good, because... That nerds, right? Yeah, and it's like, okay. It's good because I mean, nerds. I, I, 
in my opinion, I think Harry Potter would win in the long run because if only um, he needs Hermione. He does need. He really Hermione. wouldn't have gotten that far without Hermione. But I'm kind of picturing this as our Harry, so he's older, like in his 30s or something, like about our age. Okay, so like contemporary Harry. Contemporary Harry, like Harry now versus Optimus Prime. Um, he's come a long way. He has come a long way. Um, so proud of you, Harry. <laughs> they grow so fast. <laughs> and now I'm thinking both simultaneously of Harry Potter and then Discworld Wizards. Um, from Terry Pratchett, and thinking in my head, the wizard's staff has a knob on the end, a knob on the end, a knob on the end. Sorry. Uh, you need to read Discworld badly. I, you would love it. Well, I am currently reading the Willa Cather book you sent me to prep Excellent. for the Southwestern Landscape. Excellent. That I'm sure to see in a few months here. I bought that book when I was at White Sands, New Mexico. Oh, okay. And it was the most unearthly place I've ever been. It was like walking on the surface of Arrakis from Dune. And I actually conscious, subconsciously felt myself starting to walk without rhythm. Because they were taught in Arrakis on Dune, Arrakis, Dune, desert planet. Um, there's this whole culture that goes around worshipping the sandworm. And along that, the idea is that you must walk without rhythm because any sort of rhythmic movement will bring the worms coming to see what the heck is going on. Um, that's another great sci-fi book that you should read. Um, yeah, you know what I'm thinking when you say that is the landscape in Beetlejuice when they go into sort of the netherworld and there are those giant sandworms. And yeah, it's kind of like that. I think that... Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but that's what comes to mind. <laughs> no, that, that, that's, I, from what I understand, uh, Tim Burton, Tim Burton was the director on that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tim Burton was actually influenced by reading Dune to make that landscape, apparently. Oh, all right. So, You've seen Beetlejuice, right? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Shit! Okay. <laughs> I have to make sure of this, Cody. Yes, I have. Good. <laughs> I, there are a lot of weird things that are pretty common culturally that I'm not familiar with. Uh, things such as tequila, uh, the first three Mad Max movies, and um, Watchmen, weirdly enough. Well, you're in good company because I've never seen any of those. Good. We're not alone. I still get teased for never having seen Independence Day or the first Jurassic Park. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'll admit it. Independence Day, ignore the first Jurassic Park is actually the best Jurassic Park movie, period. And that's what I've heard. So you should watch it. Phil Um, Tippett as Dinosaur Supervisor, you have one job and you failed. (laughs) Yeah, really? So yeah, I'm I'm out of the loop with a lot of culturally universal like you haven't seen this and I get that a lot. So I will leave you in good company as someone who has never seen those either. Yes, excellent. So anyway, so this fine. Uh, <laughs> so we got off back again. For so, your listeners, I guess I should say, I think a big reason you wanted me to do a podcast is A, because we're such good friends, but also B, I'm really into tea, and I was a former barista, so I can appreciate notes of things in my training. Um, and I, I was hesitant on how coffee and tea would translate to wine, but... Uh, well, let's give this Well, a tell word. me about this one. Tell me what notes are in it. Well, tell me I'm not going to tell you... I'm not going to tell you what notes I get. I want you to tell me what notes you get yeah. first, and then I will tell you what I'm smelling. I want oh. you to use your barista training on this. I was afraid of that. I'm looking on the bottle to see if there's a cheat. No, no cheating. No (laughs) cheating. Not that it will help you because there's nothing listed on notes on this on this wine on the on the bottle. Well, it is really light, and I feel like if there is any citrus, it's not like a lemon because that would be too sour. Um, but it's not orange. I don't know. It's just so crisp and. I want to, like, wash my laundry in this scent or something, but I can't really detect anything specific. So, on my part on the nose... Okay. I'm getting a lot of elderflower. Oh. No, not have guessed that. A little bit of almost starfruit in terms of citrus. Oh, I love starfruit! 
No wonder I like it so much. Um, a little bit of uh, jasmine and honeysuckle and gardenia. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of honeydew melon on the nose. That's what I'm also getting. And there's also this another herb, like sage almost, sage or thyme. Really? I'm getting on mine anyway. Huh? It may. Well, also I'm doing a different shaped glass. Um, I'm actually using a glass from the winery 101 tasting room. Ours are pretty similar. Are they that different? Well, I guess they're not too dissimilar. I'm very happy that my pal is coming back from my allergy attack that I had when I got back from Turkey. That was just not good. There was a couple days where I was not drinking anything at all, just well, other than tea. Mm -hmm. uh, because just my nose is all perfluffled. And it's still pretty cloudy, but it's... At least my palate is back. You know, it's funny. Um, so, my husband's sister got him really into Sherlock when we were up in Boston and now we've been watching like every episode of course oh, and, including uh, for looks yeah but it reminds me of that because he relies on his nose so much too you know um, well and all five senses of course but I was really watching them a second time because I've only ever seen every episode once until now um, but he relies on his nose so much, and you're basically like the wine Sherlock, where you rely on your nose. I wouldn't call myself the wine Sherlock, although the mind palace thing I do with wine. Yeah. And honestly, just about every single wine I've ever drank, um, I have like this cellar in my brain. I, I visualize it. It's like, <laughs> listed by palace. grape. So it's the mine cellar, and so it's like, okay, this is every Chardonnay I've ever drank. Uh, most of them are horrid. Um, some exceptions. Um, you know, this is the Malvasia section. This is the Cabernet section. This is the weird, obscure, Eastern European varietals section, and so on and so forth. So it's like, you know, give me a couple minutes, and I'll remember what notes I took on any given wine I've tasted, just because... I can't remember anything else half the time. Like, I honestly, I can't even tie my own freaking shoes, but ask me about wine, I can tell you <laughs> a lot. <laughs> we'll just get slip-on shoes, and then problem solved. That's what I do. Or More my uh, cowboy boots. <laughs> there you go. Are they red? They are not red. Uh, uh, although I have joked about getting... Um, <clears throat> uh, a red pair of cowboy boots for when I be finally become fully ensconced as king. Because, you know, you need the red boots. Right. It was, you know, it was something... They serve multiple purposes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and now I'm just remembering the picture that I took with... Uh... Oh, don't say it. Can you say it? <laughs> I doubt she'll listen. Is it okay to say it? I don't know. The way she's been lately, and that's all I'm going to say. Hey, man, you should really get some of this pasta. I'm going to change the subject because it's getting awkward. But uh, <laughs> this is really good. You should you should have some. I wish I could. <laughs> Let me just put in my teleporter after I visit uh, Polly, who is en route to Porto right now. So yeah, she's, she's getting around. So yeah, she's going to be in Porto, and so I, t I told her what she needs to do is to <clears throat> find a bottle of port as old as she is and drink it. Oh, yeah. Because that's what I actually did for my 21st birthday. I found, well, it was actually a 22-year-old bottle, and I spent most of my birthday money on it. But Because um, it was the 1983 vintage, I think it was, that I got. Or was it 85? Hold on. You were born in 80... Yes, but 1984 was not a declared vintage in Portland. Oh, so okay. So basically you have vintages that are declared... And then the other years, they blend it together with other years. So, like, say that you had... Okay, this is actually a great example. Um, for Holly's case, 1998 was not a declared vintage. 1997 and 1999 were. So you have 1997 was a declared vintage in Porto. You have 1999, which was a declared vintage in Porto. Um, 
So anything in 1998 might be blended with, say, 1996 or 1999 fruit. How sad for her to have missed the 90s. Yeah, I know. So she sad. missed pogs. Is she missing much there, though? I don't know. I mean, she missed the great Nickelodeon shows. I don't know if they have Nickelodeon in New Zealand. And Meatloaf's comeback? He came back after doing a bunch of coke in the 80s? He'll do anything for love, but he won't do that. He won't do coke anymore, that's for sure. He was just in Phoenix! He was just in Phoenix. I saw on his Facebook, because yes, I follow him, and I was so jealous. It's like, I could have been in Phoenix and seen him and Cody. I I had had no idea. Yeah, well, I didn't until now, after he said, Thank you, Phoenix, you were great. So. (laughs) Uh, It was so sad. Anyway. Of course, every time I think of Meatloaf, the first thing I think of is, of course, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm Mm-hmm. Most people do. And that's okay. I mean, it is a classic, after all. This is true. Um, he was involved in the stage production of that before it came a movie. So he was with it from the very beginning. I did not know that. I know it because I have read his autobiography twice. <laughs> <laughs> like a huge dork. <laughs> have I read anyone's autobiography? Period. I've been into autobiographies and memoirs lately. I know you've read mine. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've actually ever read any autobiographies, come to think of it. That's a genre that's lacking in my reading experience. <clears throat> well, um... I've read a fair number of biographies of historical figures, but... Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites was this book about one of my favorite people in classical antiquity, uh, Mithridates, the... I think it's the seventh of Pontus... Uh, was the Poison King by Adrian Mare. And he was a very, very interesting character, to say the very least. Uh, he was very driven in trying to end Roman imperialism in Asia Minor, and oh. almost succeeded multiple times, but then the Romans got their acts together whenever he wasn't paying attention to take back everything. And then, in the end, he ended up dying in a palace in Crimea. Uh, while planning a invasion of Rome, actually, again. Oh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, um, so this is me in a nutshell. I'm thinking of this really stupid meme that's been going around between um, Vladimir Putin and Barack Obama, where Putin calls up Barack, and he's just like, knock, knock, who's there? Crimea. Crimea who? Crimea River. River. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was entertaining flying through Moscow and seeing, well, for one... The, uh, Putin, there was Putin Matryoshka dolls. That was very interesting. I almost bought one, but it's like, what am I going to do with this? This is just for humor value. This serves no greater purpose. Other than to laugh at on occasion. And then it will gather dust and then be worthless. Um, Well, if they make that super highway through Russia, I'm totally going to get a bunch of those Russian nesting dolls and babushka scarves. I have so much to spend in Russia. I would probably just be like, I will buy copies of all of the icons. And also the Russian sparkling wine I had was actually very good. I was very, very impressed with it. Oh, did you like it? Um, Was it a red or white? It was was red. Uh, Oh, was it? It was a white, dry... I don't know what grapes are in it, unfortunately. I'm assuming... Um, I'm assuming Chardonnay, Aligote, and probably Pinot Noir, or Pinot Blanc. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I should probably look that up eventually, but right now... Yeah, I feel like you should know what wine you're drinking, Cody. Well, a lot <laughs> of sparkling wines are usually made from a few different grapes. Um, but I think that theirs is made from Chardonnay, <clears throat> mostly. Chardonnay and Aligote. Because that's what also most of the sparkling wines in Belarus are made from, too. Um, and of course I lost the bottle before I could scan it on the vino but so it goes aww sad well I left the empty bottle and the sleeve for it and everything in the bar in Jerome because I was with a bunch of friends and uh, 
I haven't actually gone back to see if it's still there. You know, you can answer this better than just about anybody, but their iconography is rather soft. Like, the icons that I've kind of grown with in, you know, the past, like, two or three years I've actually been orthodox, two years, I guess, um, is very harsh. Like, when they're looking at you, it's kind of like they're judging you. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like that. That's what I was introduced that. to. You see that That's thing you did? Don't do that. Yeah, their eyes will follow you, and, you know, it's just like, it, it, it's like Jesus has that sort of little eyebrow going, like, mm, you know. I know what you did. Like, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but I like that just because that's what I was introduced to. That's what I've grown with. So with the Russian icons, because I got a few when I was up in Alaska, and they're just so soft. So, like, I don't want to say idealized, but maybe I do want to say that. But just not as judgmental. And I guess I like my icons judgmental. <laughs> I like my icons like I like my friends judgmental. <laughs> um. That's it. Yep. <laughs> I think, actually, a lot of that has to do is because Russia did have some Western artistic influence, where Byzantium and the old Byzantine territories more or less got cut off mm. from Western territory and Western artistic influence because of the Ottomans. Um, speaking of, again, recent trips, or recent places, um, Russia did have some Jesuit influence at some points and some influence of Western arts. Like, uh, at one point I know um, Tsar Peter the Great tried to, like, change, like, the chant tones to make them more Western or something because he was Peter the Great and kind of a dick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the icons I have on my wall right now, and I have a very Russian icon from Kazakhstan that's very, like, calm and peaceful, the Virgin Mary... And then I have one of the old Coptic icons uh, from Sinai that's completely different. It's much more rigid, much more like she's staring at you to going. And then I also have, in between the two, and I'm going to move the bottle of wine for this because the bottle of wine is in front of it, and you have not seen this. No one has seen this. I haven't even taken a picture of it yet. So you're the first person who's seen... <gasps> oh my gosh! That is even more amazing and glorious than I thought. And yeah, I have you no needed to place get that. to hang it right now, but and I have no idea how to even hang this. So, well, as someone who works in a retail craft store, I get asked that a lot. You could get um, one of those simple bubble rods and just sort of like put um, weights on one end of it, but like ones that you could take off and aren't going to snag the fabric. Um, and that way, since, you know, most of the piece is in the center, you don't obviously want to just fold it in half. Yeah. But you could do some sort of weighted dowel rod. That could work. Because I've gotten so questions like that before. Say again? I've gotten uh, questions like that for quilts before. But where, well, where do you have it now? Is it just... It's kind of dangling off my easel. On my, uh, on my desk. I wonder you don't paint, because you've got a tapestry on your easel. Well, I wasn't painting before Turkey either, and I need to paint it back. I need to start painting again. I have this painting I want to do of, like, a Jerome a la Van Gogh-style Starry Night, but I haven't gotten... Oh, wow! I have it kind of sketched out on the canvas, and I have the background color established, but I just... Uh, I haven't been able to motivate myself to paint because I've been too busy writing about wines, to, and that's kind of how I get my artistic outlet now. Because before fair. I wasn't doing much of anything, and so I was like, okay, and now I have this outlet with writing. Well, yeah, you're doing what you love, so. So it's true. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you can, maybe you can make that like your Lenten devotional or something. That could work how I motivate myself if I have a timeline but I'm also a huge procrastinator so I'll start at like let's say the beginning of Lent but then it's like Holy Week and I still haven't done what I said I would do Lent sneaks up on you Pascha sneaks up on you for sure 
Yeah, I forget when it starts, but I know Ash Wednesday is like February 16th this year. That's something like that. Or next year, rather. But well, are, our are, are, they, are the Eastern and Western calendars aligned for Pascha this year? No, not at all. Okay. Um, Easter is in March, and Pascha isn't until May. So there's quite a gap. Wow. So I'll still be fasting when everyone's, like, enjoying their, their ham and their chocolate, and I'll just be sitting there in the corner like, it smells good, guys. Because <laughs> nobody else in my family is orthodox. That's probably probably what's going to happen, is I'm going to get roped into doing Holy Week services with Scott at the Catholic Church up here. Because oh. like, we need someone who can sing, and you took some Byzantine chant. So, guess what? We're enlisting you to come pray with the heretics. That's how it goes. And that's how you would probably word it. I, would I hope you don't have any Catholic listeners that are sitting around listening to you call them heretics. Well, to be fair, it's Scott calling himself a heretic, so... Okay. Well, if a Catholic can admit that, then, <laughs> then it's okay. Uh, as, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, uh, I have no real problems with Catholicism. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to say that some of my best friends are Catholic. <laughs> um, I'll say it. But my best friend is a Catholic. She is a very devout Roman Catholic. And I love her. Yeah. Scott, who's m one of my best friends in town, he's Catholic. He's actually the caretaker for the old church in town. That I, You've probably seen some of the pictures that I've posted. Yes, I have, yeah. Um, they were up there for... They were up there for Mass yesterday and He's like, or not yesterday, um, Saturday, uh, for St. Ignatius. And he was like, Cody, come please take photographs. And uh, if you want, you don't have to, but please come pray with us too. Because we want to have your company. And so I come and I do the photography and I pray and, and, and you know. Well, as my priest says, you don't have to say amen. You know, you can pray alongside anybody, but you don't have to say amen if you don't if orthodoxy does not agree with that particular theology. Well, for the most part, I mean, there's a lot of similar theology between the two. I mean, Oh, yeah, of course. Half of it is mostly bad blood because of the Fourth Crusade and a few other things. But. Yeah. But anyway, I was introduced to the priest that was performing Mass up there afterwards as the, the Verde Valley's token Orthodox Christian. <laughs> yeah. He's our token Orthodox Christian. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> That's not a bad way to be known. Yeah. That's and pretty course, awesome. And, of course, Represent. I went to get killed because I could. But. So, back to the wine. Yep, I've still got it here. I did finish eating, though, and now I'm knitting, so I hope that's okay. Well, as long as we're being tight-knit about it. Oh, we are. We are, my friend. That was yeah, that was you should right. really take it up because you keep tossing that ball back and forth, and I'm just like, you should knit. Actually, this is a ball of wax. I thought it was an avocado. <laughs> I really did. Actually, avocado might not be uh, some good chips with a nice acidic guacamole with a little bit of uh, citrus on it would probably yeah. work really well with this. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that until now. That would have been pretty easy to... That make. does sound good. Although, any excuse to make caprese pasta for me. I love this it. This is true. So, what did you get on the, you know, let's let's explore the palate of this wine here a little bit. Well, I'm very the kind of person who, when something is said to me, I'm like, that's what that is. So, as soon as you said gardenia and jasmine, I would not have thought to say anything about a floral scent or smell or taste or, you know, any of those senses. And it makes perfect sense now that you mention it. It It's, it's definitely got the jasmine, and I love jasmine tea. So I can definitely tell that now. Um, but yeah, the gardenia. I, whatever I am smelling and tasting that I can't quite put a finger on must be that because I'm just not around gardenia as much as I am jasmine, I guess. But now it is so obvious to me now that you've mentioned it. So I really love what I get, mm -hmm. well, I'll show you how I kind of approach a glass of wine. The first thing I do when mm -hmm. I'm doing a tasting 
is I'll look at the wine in the glass. You know, this tells me, hey, okay, obviously we know this is a white wine, but because it's a lighter color, it tells us it's lighter bodied, it's younger. As whites age, they become more of an amber or orange color. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. See, I didn't know that. So the uh, the oldest wine I've ever had actually was a white. It was a late harvest Gewürztraminer. And by the time we got to it, and it was a 1975 vintage, so it was older than I was. Yeah. Um, which was kind of fun, actually. It's like, ah, oh, this wine is older than I am. This is pretty cool. <laughs> um, it was this almost like orange color, which was really interesting. Oh, wow. But I mean, also... can the wine go bad if it's just, like, let's say it's, you know, corked and... Because I remember at the, um... I guess it was, was it Stonehill? But when I was in Herman and they mentioned wine had been there for so long, it basically turned to vinegar. So that can happen? It can. Oh. Um, time makes fools of us all, and it does that in wine. Even if it's stored properly, there is a, there is a limit on, on aging of the wine. Oh. Malvasia, especially Arizona Malvasia, will age a little bit better than a lot of other whites. The reason being is that for a white, if you're going to age, you're looking for two things. Acidity and residual sugar. Mm -hmm. So Malvasia, because it tends to be very acidic, tends to last very well because that acidity retards the growth of the microorganisms that would eventually turn a wine into vinegar. Oh, okay. Alternately, if a wine is sweet, those sugars act as the preserving agent in the wine. Which is why you can age an ice wine or a port for a very, very long time, because it tends to be much more sweet. Education. I'm learning something. The more you know. More shooting star, yes. So, I must admit, I've been pronouncing your girlfriend wrong all this time. I always thought it was Malvasia. Malvasia is the Italian pronunciation for this grape. Oh, okay. So, it's not entirely wrong. Um, I tend to go for the pronunciation that I was taught first, um, which was Malvasia, which apparently is more of the Greek and Northern Italy pronunciation, and Spain, Spanish pronunciation. Well, speaking of pronunciations, you're still pronouncing my last name wrong. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I've never been called Lovner, but that's that's a first, so, but it is Lover. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why the package was so late. They couldn't find me. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> really I'm surprised not. you're not wearing one of your headscarves. They're right here, actually. I have both of them sitting beside me. But I don't wear a headscarf on Mondays. So I'm working up towards wearing it full time. But right now I only wear it Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Saturdays if I go to Great Vespers. And anytime there's a divine liturgy during the weekday. But there's nothing on Monday, not today. I know, that's a problem because Mondays and Tuesdays being my usual weekend, it's very hard for me to get to church. So mm. I have to rely on there being maybe a once weekly liturgy or once monthly liturgy occurring <laughs> once a month on a Monday. And it's like, I'm going! Right. But no. Although yeah. I have managed to get almost every Sunday off in November now. That's awesome. So it'll be like actually four day, four weeks in a row where I get to church. It'll be odd. Wow, because I don't think there's a single Sunday I get to go to church in November. I'll be out of town for like all of them. Where are you Except going? Except when the bishop is coming. Um... I will be in possibly Arkansas. I will be in Indy. I will be in my hometown. And somewhere else. Maybe. Oh, Louisville. Louisville. So, a lot of traveling. You should see if you could find me a bottle of wine from Arkansas. I've heard that there are some good wineries there. Oh, really? Yeah, I can I try. I don't know anything more than what I read on the internet and someone mentioned it weirdly enough in the tasting room it was from Arkansas and I can't remember the winery they listed either which is unfortunate oh. I wish I could but. yeah Tom and I are potentially going to Hot Springs for my birthday oh that would be lovely I know I've never been even when I lived there 
I never went there. I lived in Perryville, which is an hour southwest of Little Rock, and I never made it to Hot Springs. You should definitely make a soak in the Hot Springs, too, for that matter. Oh, I do plan on it. Uh, that was one of my favorite things about when I was living in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, which is about an hour uh, from where, a little over an hour from where these grapes were grown, ironically enough. Um, is that I would soak in the hot springs as often as I could. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and they were so full of lithium, so I was always happy because it's like, my life is falling apart around me, but I'm happy, so I don't care because of lithium. <laughs> yeah, and this is the time of year, in my opinion, to go to Arkansas because the summer is so gross. You just step outside and feel like you're swimming because it's so humid. So going in November is much more appealing. Yeah, that's a problem that I don't really, we don't really have here in Arizona. Even when we are at our hottest, you know, it's not nearly as humid. And even when we are at our most humid, it's never like it is in the southeast. Thank God. I am jealous because it gets so humid here and I hate it. <laughs> well, you should, you guys should move out here. Well, if we move out of state, sorry, it's not going to be Arizona. <laughs> Here, yeah, here. not even for you, Cody. Okay, I'm not asking <laughs> you to move for me. I'm asking you to move for the weather. It's completely. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on the palate of this wine. Mm-hmm. It's light. It's not. Heavy. I don't know what words I'm saying. Like when I compare a black tea to a green tea, you know, you can tell it's heavier, it's more robust. And this one is like a green or even a green and white tea. Yeah. I don't know if I, I might go all the way and say it's almost like a white tea, but I feel like it's a blend. I do almost get some white tea notes on it too, for that matter, actually. Mm-hmm. So there's the citrus again, the sort of star fruit, and a little bit of almost like a Meyer lemon. So it's not like the super duper 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 sour lemon, but it's a sweeter lemon. Um, mm hmm. And it's not sour, but it does make my face pucker a little. That's the acidity uh -huh. again. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, Mulvacea is very, very acidic, which is one of the reasons why it ages so well. Um, I also get. Actually, it has a very long finish, it's still going. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only had to take a few sips with a, my whole bowl of pasta. Makes me want to have seconds just so I can finish my glass. Well, you could. What's stopping you? I'd have to get up and go. Oh, yeah, that would be... I'll get it later. That would... Yeah. That does put a damper on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long do your podcasts normally last? About because an hour. It's a long one. Okay. They usually last about an hour. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little better. Yeah, don't don't worry. Don't fret. Uh, they started out at half... Uh, it's weird because Gary and I, our podcasts are always like a half hour or 15 minutes. But with everyone else, it's like an hour. It's just always been very... Yeah. Oh. I'm also getting the jasmine again and the honeysuckle again. Mm. And... Else, I'm not sure what it is. Tell me what you're doing with your mouth. Like, how are you drinking it? And maybe I should try this. Oh, what I'm doing is I'm essentially aerating it in my mouth. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like you're sucking in but not swallowing, and it's just the air bubbles along the surface of the wine and sort of aromatizes it. So it opens up, it opens the wine up in your mouth, on your palate. Basically. I really wanted to make a that's what she said joke. You could do it. That's allowed. <laughs> the moments pass. <laughs> you were okay. always allowed to make a that's what she said joke. You suck it in, but don't swallow. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not spitting either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. All right, well, 
Let me let me aerate here. Oh, I don't really like holding it in my mouth that long. <laughs> That's what she said. Stop it. <laughs> no, I I can't I can't do it. It's a little too aesthetic for me. Well, that's okay. Then what you do in that case is you would sit it on like a surface. Uh-huh. And kind of do what I'm doing. Okay. So I'm swirling it in the glass. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, I'm doing it. Not. And that aerates it? And that basically, yeah, the idea is that it opens up the wine because you're essentially aging the wine in your glass because that's what aging is. Aging in a wine is oxidation. It's the molecules in the air uh, interacting, specifically oxygen, interacting with the molecules in the wine, oxidizing these molecules, opening up different aromatic profiles. So that's why as the wine ages in a bottle, the flavor profile changes. Because in the case of a red, oxygen gets into those tannin molecules and starts breaking them up, opening up a little bit. In the case of white, it's different molecules. Then you have amber wines, which are a very special case, and no one, as far as I am aware, has made an amber wine in Arizona yet. Oh. An amber wine is a white wine made as a red. So it's left on the skins to macerate and ferment and to get the tannins from the skins. So I have essentially a white with tannins. I had no idea you could do that. They are very rare, and they are definitely an acquired taste, so you don't see them, they're not very popular. They are becoming more popular. They're definitely sort of a hipster wine now. Yeah, well, hipsters will drink anything that's unpopular and unknown, even if it doesn't taste very good. Yeah, but I think they do taste good. But I like tannins. I am definitely a tannin hound. So it's like, oh, good, this is light and fluffy and aromatic, but it has tans. This is great. Um, And apparently there are some Malvasia amber wines. Actually, I know there are, because I have in my cellar from Italy an amber wine that has Malvasia Bianca in the blend. Um, I have not cracked it open yet, because I keep dreaming of doing this mythical Malvasia podcast with Malvasia from Arizona and all over the world. It just, I realize, I can't see my face, the glass is covering half of it. So it's like the glasses, <laughs> the glasses talking to you. Um, and I Maybe lost it my does. Train of thought. Shit. Your anyway, um, amber wine. So old domination of Malvasia. Mal- I want to someday make an amber wine from this grape here in Arizona. I think it would be fun. I think it would be interesting. If I can get financial backing, I'd like to do it next year, but that's a joke. Um, but someday. Someday I will. It happens someday. I mean, I thought about doing a GoFundMe, but uh, I, I feel like a, a GoFundMe for, hey, help me make wine is a little silly. <laughs> yeah, most of them are, my house burned down. Yeah. Help me build a new home. Instead of, help me start my own business in making wine. Yeah, but there are business investment. There has to be like a business investment Kickstarter type thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't and know. And along that note, I've also considered lately getting a Patreon account, which apparently is a lot of things, like a lot of artists are doing online, like webcomics, and there's even a paleontologist who does it, because he does a paleo blog with paleo art, and so he'll do Patreon, and I'm thinking of going into that and looking into that, but I don't know if that would be something that would work. I mean, is that something that could work for a wine critic to get a Patreon account? I don't Try it and find out. Maybe. But they might be like, no, this is not really falling under the purview. Womp womp. Well, let me know when you find that small business investment thing, because I would love to open up my own yarn shop and sell yarn and tea and use books and have cats everywhere. What would you call it? What would I call it? Probably Clementine Knits, because that's my nickname. And I would have the logo. Yes, I have actually thought of this. The logo be an orange ball of yarn, but it looks like an actual orange, but it's also a ball of yarn. And that would be my store, Clementine Knits. So, yeah, I guess I have thought of it. That's good. Yeah. I think there's probably a market in the neighborhood we live, too. It's kind of funky. Like, we live near the Loop, which in St. Louis is... 
just literally a loop of, like, you go sort of around the block, or rather, like, an inverted block, if you will, of this really funky, awesome stores and places to eat and just hang out. And so we're just a few blocks off of that, and there's no yarn store near here. There's one about 20, 25 minutes away, and that's really it. So I think there would be a market out here. Well, that would be worth so. so that then brings me to the next question. Yes. Because I like to ask weird questions about what people think of wines we're drinking. If this wine was a color of yarn, like the wine itself, not the color of the wine, but the wine itself. Oh, okay. Although you okay. can answer that too for what color the yeah, name. If this wine was a color of yarn, personality-wise, taste-wise, everything, what color of yarn would it be and why? Okay, hang on, because I actually have a skein of yarn that I'm envisioning this yarn or this wine being. Okay. Do you mind if I go grab it? Yes, please, grab okay, it. Okay, grab that. Okay, so what I'm thinking... For this wine, now, since it's so crisp and acidic, I think it's perfect for drinking on a day like today. Here in St. Louis, it is, like, almost not even a cloud in the sky. Like, some wisps, some cirrus clouds, but beautiful, crisp, golden autumn day. And that's what I think of with this, with this wine. Very crisp, golden, um, not... Mellow, but like in a, you know, I still want a jacket kind of way. I don't know. Like, this is the perfect day, I would think, to drink this one. Like, I may go finish this glass out on my balcony. You should. So, I may go finish this glass out on my balcony. Well, there we go. So, that makes me think of this yarn that I got. Let's see if I can get on my camera here. So, this one doesn't really have a proper name, I don't think. Oh, well, it does, but I'm not going to say it. Well, but it is... Is it naughty, or...? No, it's not naughty. I just... I feel like that would give away the illusion of what I'm going for okay. with this. Now, with this one, I would probably add hints of, like, burnt orange, almost like a rust color, and one of those piercing sky blues, almost on the verge of, like, when a storm is coming where it's got a little bit of gray in it too, but it's overall mostly blue. But this one has lots of tonal light greens. Not pastel per se, but um, kind of like pistachio. But when you said the whole jasmine, you know, and honeysuckle, that makes me think of cooler colors like in the green, purple, blue spectrum. Um, but there's still some yellow and even some autumny golden orange, like a golden, like if this had gold and even some gray storm cloud blue in it. So that's what I'm thinking. So it would be definitely a variegated um, skein of yarn, not just one single color, because this has so much going on with it, so it would have to be variegated. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Because Sometimes I know what I'm talking about, but I don't explain it very well. I, I, non don't, I don't know that much about wine, but what look... I don't know yarn. that much about yarn. <laughs> I know a lot yeah, about wine. I don't know that much about wine, Herp Derp, which is why I'm doing this podcast and a vlog, Herp Derp. Um, <laughs> why you're the wine monk. Herp Derp. I, I don't know why I keep doing Herp Derp, but it seems to make sense in context. But anyway... <laughs> But anyway, what I might do is I might smoke my Meerschaum pipe on the porch with uh, some Kinnikinnik. Uh, Kinnikinnik is an herbal blend, um, which has no tobacco in it, actually. It's a local Native American-style herb blend. Um, has Lobelia, Damiana, Passionflower, Motherwort, Mugwort, oftentimes some berries and mint in it. So it's a very herbal smoke. It's not a tobacco at all. 
And because it's not a tobacco, I can probably get away with smoking it on my balcony because my landlady is allergic to tobacco. And so I can be like, hey, this is actually not a tobacco. This is an herb thing. So, is that why you smoke it in your car otherwise? Yes. And so I smoke it in my car or my apartment, actually. I am allowed to smoke in my apartment. Oh, okay. But uh, I'm not allowed to smoke on my balcony, which is unfortunate. Probably a good thing, because I would probably smoke my pipe about three times as much as if I was allowed to do that. <laughs> because, yeah. The only time I've smoked on my balcony is when I know that she's not home and won't be home for some time. Which is how... That's I'm, considerate. You know, I try to be, you know, I try to be the perfect ideal, like, tenant. And, like, I'm the usually, like, the first person to pay my rent and everything, because that's how I roll. Well, as someone who is married to someone who rents out his house, I can tell you land owner people appreciate that. Homeowners. Yeah. Landlords? Slumlords. Yeah. Are you a slum? No, I'm just kidding. Slumlords appreciate that. <laughs> I speak from personal experience. But anyway, nice. this is the... Uh, Hi, that's gorgeous. This is one of the two Mearsham pipes I got in Oh, you got two. Yeah, and both oh. have grape leaves and grapes, so. Oh, that's so perfect. It's like, yeah, obviously I need to have with grapes because. Yeah. Well, duh. I'm so glad you got one. Yeah, I, I was. I'm glad I was able to get one. Well, I probably would have gotten one anyway if I had been with uh, uh, the royal sandal queen. Still, but still, this time I can actually smoke it. And not. And that's all I say on that subject. So we should probably sign off, because it's been over an hour, huh? Yeah, but, you know, minor editing and stuff. Or it's not that we can sign off. We can end the podcast, but we can still hang out on Skype. That's true, because for your listeners, we have talked online a lot, but never on Skype. Not in, like, real time. Hey, I can see your face and hear your voice. I saw your face. I don't believe it. (laughs) Sorry. Uh... (laughs) So I think that's why it's on as long as I have. So anyway, guys, um, this again was the Galifant Cellars 2012 Malvasia Bianca from the Members Valley AVA in New Mexico. The Tawar in New Mexico, by the way, when it comes to Malvasia, is very similar to that in Arizona. Arizona Malvasias, the key difference is that they often tend to be a little bit more heavy, and they often have a little bit of a, a stone fruit note a little bit as well, that sometimes lurking makes them a little bit heavier bodied. Um, that's the key difference I've noticed anyway. Um, you can find this wine at Winery at 101, or Winery 101 in Peoria, off of, like I mentioned, Olive and the Loop 101. Um, go visit, tell Gavin I said hello, or whoever's there, that you had the Malvasia, or you heard the Malvasia podcast, you want to take some home. And, uh, until we meet again for another podcast... This is Cody and Emily signing off. Peace out. Peace out, homies. Keep the recording.